Radio Influence. The future is now. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, everybody, guess what? It's Friday morning. That means it's a Duffified Live day. Okay, we talked about the show. You guys heard me talk about it last week. Then the show aired on Sunday. And uh, I was really proud of what was what was aired. I was really happy with what was out there. We worked uh, with the production company. I worked really hard with the production company uh, to, to, to put together a great show. And Food Network was awesome. They really got the vision of where we were and what we wanted. And that made me really happy because a lot of times those things can go by the wayside. They can disappear. But for uh, for everybody that, that saw the show and replied, gave us your notes, I really appreciate that. And the big thing for me of what I want to see with the show is that people who have never done this before have somebody on their side. Because what we do is... You know, what I've seen over the years, there's that person who's never opened a restaurant before and they're hiring people that have to guide them along the way. And a lot of times what we find is we find a chef who really has their own vision and they just want to do their own thing. So they end up becoming a, kind of a steamroller to an owner. We find a manager who doesn't really truly believe the owner's vision and they become a steamroller. And I feel bad for owners because I've seen it year after year after year and month and month and month after month and opening after opening that where they're hiring people that don't have the same vision and that the owners themselves are not standing their ground because they keep having this this voice in the back of their head says, well, you've never done this before, so you don't know. You have to trust. So the way that I consult and the way that I work with my clients and with my my properties and my, my staff and everybody else is that I want to be a proponent for the owner of the restaurant. I want to make sure that they are getting what they need to succeed. And if that means that I have to sit down and have a tough conversation with a chef about the fact that I haven't received an inventory and that inventory tells the owners financially where they are and they're not doing it, that they're not doing their job. Okay. We fired chefs. We've lost chefs. The same thing happens with GMs that just don't have the same vision as what an owner does. And what we all have to remember is that it's the owner's vision that we have to then be able to get through to the guest. And that's what we need to do. And if you're going in and working for somebody, you've got to have the idea that you are working for the owner. You are taking their vision. Organizationally, you can make the adjustments that you want. But the owner has a concept and we they have a vision for what it is that they want to see. We have to, as professionals, provide that for them. And that's one of the things that I wanted to do for the guests that were on the show and the people that were on our show. So leading into this week, I thought it would only be fitting if we were able to have Jen Royal from the first episode of opening night be on the show so we could hear where she came from, what she does. And then we can basically listen to her yell at me uh, for a good period of time because uh, she's an awesome individual who's very, very passionate about what she does, what she believes in and who she is. 
And that, to me, makes for an unbelievable owner in regards to uh, a pride and holding true to what it is that they want to see. So, ladies and gentlemen, do me a huge favor today and welcome to uh, to the show. Welcome Jen Royal, the owner of Table by Jen Royal in the north end of Boston. Good morning, Jennifer Royal. Hi, Brian Duffy. What was that for? Did you have to pause to think about what you were going to say? I did. I always do. No, you, no, you, the last thing you have is a filter. That's true, but I'm trying to get better at it. I'm trying to maybe take a second. Jerry, can can you do me a favor? Can you replay the last eight minutes of Jen Royal (laughs) while she quote unquote takes a break and uses a filter? (laughs) Filter free zone. That's right. So how are you, Jen? What's going on? Um, what's going on? Um, nothing. Just hanging out. I went to Restaurant Depot this morning, which always takes 10 years off my life. I did that as well. I only yelled at one person, which is extraordinary. I don't yell at um, And dun, dun, dun. That's it. Came home, made a cup of coffee after I got stuck in traffic. And I'm sitting here with all my dogs talking to you fine people. Nice. Jen, why don't you do me a favor and uh, tell us who you are, what you do, and how people can follow you or get in contact with you. Okay. My name is Jennifer Lee Royal. Wow. Social security number? No. Um, L-E-E. My mother wished she said it was L-E-I-G-H, wished she spelled it L-E-I-G-H. But um, my father called me Jenny Lee growing up, so... Kind of like it reminds me of the General Lee from um, the good old boys. And Dukes of Hazzard. Dukes of Hazzard. I live in Boston, Massachusetts, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a former sports reporter turned chef. I own a restaurant in the North End called Table. And you can reach me at Jen, J-E-N underscore R-O-Y-L-E. And the reason why there's an underscore there is because this lady on Twitter won't give me her Twitter handle. And she tried to get money out of me. And I was like, you're out of your fucking mind. I'm not paying you for my own name. Yeah, but so how many followers does she have? Like 12. <laughs> and it's got to be really... It's got to be, it's easier for her to just give me the handle than for her to keep getting all of my mentions, honestly. Right. Now, do you, do you follow her? What the fuck would I do that? Well, because if everybody's talking to her, thinking that you, that she is you, no, I, I would follow to, her. No, I don't need to, I don't need, I don't need to, to read that crap. I mean, I already have my mentions filtered as it is. I don't need to see more, you know? Right. You get it? No? I do. I do. But I also own all of my names. So. Well, that's why you're cool. No, it's not about cool. It's just being organized and prepared. Oh, well, that's why you're cool. <laughs> so what, okay, so let's go. Let's talk about Jen Lee Royal kind of growing up. I mean, you grew up in an Irish, or in an Irish, in an Italian household, living in Boston. Yep. Which, which li- literally outside leads, which is outside of Boston, where? Yeah, Mansfield. But I okay. moved away when I was 18. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, I've been living out of the suburbs for longer than I had lived there. And where'd you move to? I moved to Boston. I moved to the city. Um, And then when I was 24, 
Um, so six years I was in the city. And then when I was 24, I moved to New York and I lived in Manhattan for 12 years, 11 where, years. Where'd you go to school? I went to school at Salve Regina in Newport, Rhode Island. Wow. I was a terrible student. I barely made it out of high school. I can't believe I graduated from college. I had to stay an extra summer in Newport to finish credits. They still let me walk. I hated school. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I did all right, but I, I squeaked by. Um, and then I I always wanted to move to New York. So I had this boyfriend here in Boston. We had been dating for like three and a half years. And, you know, one day I was like, yeah, I'm moving to New York. And he was like, where are you going? And I was like, New York. He was like, really? And I was like, yeah, uh, bye. Um, and so I moved to New York and I was... You know, everyone in Boston was like, oh, the fucking over under on her is six months. She's going to come back. Okay, well, I lasted almost 12 years, broke my heart to leave New York, but I got a huge job in Baltimore covering the Ravens and the Orioles. So I moved to Baltimore and the Reds, the Yankees had just won the World Series. And that was 2009. And I was just kind of over the whole, I had done the whole Yankee thing and Yankee Red Sox for, you know, eight years. And I said, you know, it's time for a little change of pace. I went to Baltimore, covered the Orioles and the Ravens, hated that, literally wanted to, God, I hate to say it. I literally wanted to kill myself. I was so miserable. Why? Baltimore just will suck the life out of you. It was just the most uninspirational city ever. It just, oh God, it was so bad. And the fans were terrible to me, which is funny because now if fans were terrible to me, I would just laugh in their face. I don't think I just wasn't ready for it. I just, I wasn't mentally prepared to be, you know, I hate to say a big fish in a little sea, but I just wasn't, you know, I was the Boston girl. I came in and everybody was in love with this baseball team. And I was like, you guys do know that you suck, right? Like it's so bad here, like no sense of urgency, like just terrible ownership, leadership. And, you know, I came in and I just told them how it was. I was like, your fucking second baseman, Brian Roberts is making $10 million a year and he doesn't even play. How dare you talk about him that way? I'm like, what is he doing for you? Nothing. He's stealing your money. So like, you know, I kind of came in with like this whole new fresh, you know, outlook on the team. Um, Because I had come off the Yankees where, I mean, if you are injured and you're making, you know, 20 million a year, you're a piece of shit, you know. So um, that was fun. And then I left Baltimore after the AFC championship game in 2012. uh, Billy kind of missed the field goal and the Patriots won and went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Giants. So after that, I moved back to Boston. I was like, it's time to go home. My brother, my father had passed away in 06. My nephew, Frankie, was just born, who's now eight who you've met um and I just felt like it was time to come home so I came home and I couldn't get a job because everybody was under contract here and you know why was I anyone special I mean I had been away for 14 years between New York and Baltimore so I got a job at um I got a job at uh 
WEEI. I was the first female to have a sports radio show here in Boston. I loved that. Um, and then I left there after one summer and I went to the Boston Herald and I covered the Red Sox, the Celtics and the Bruins um, and still did some radio. And then I did the big show in 2014 called The Taste with Anthony Bourdain, which was cooking. And that's when I switched careers. And that's like a whole other phase of my life. What? What put you in the sports world? I don't know. I think if you're from Boston, you just, you know, I had two brothers and I have two brothers and then my dad. And, you know, we just kind of grew up at Fenway Park and going to the Bruins game. And I just kind of grew up around guys. And I always said, it. I, I swear, it's so funny. From a young age, even at 12 years old, I was like, I'm going to be either a sports reporter or a chef. Right. And I, I did both, which is crazy. But I always knew that I would be a sports reporter. And when I went to New York, actually, I was working for a fashion company. I was in billing and I didn't, I mean, which is hilarious. It had nothing. I, had nothing to do with it. I know it's so funny. I, I mean, I, I was, was in fashion. I was 18. Right. It was a fashion company, but I was in like the <laughs> billing department in like one year. They were just like where we got bought out. Who wants to move to New York? And I was like, what? And I was like, um, me raise my hand, move to New York. And then you had to give the company six months. And I was that girl who took six months to find another job. And then at six months, I was like, bye-bye. You know, so I, I have taken advantage of every single opportunity that's been in front of me. I was like, I'm in New York. Why would I stay here? This is not what I want to do for a living. Sure. So I went and got a big job in PR and I was doing, actually I had a really cool job. I mean, I, it was in fashion, but it wasn't, I mean, it was, but I was working for a company called Laundry and they were owned by Liz Claiborne. And what I did was I had to make sure that our product was in every fashion magazine every month. So like I had this big cushiony office in Times Square and I had to make sure like let's just say you know like you're reading a magazine and it'll say pink tops under a hundred dollars like in Cosmopolitan I had to make sure that if we had a fucking pink top and it was under a hundred dollars that it was on that page and if it wasn't I was in trouble so it was actually really cool um sounds like a lot of pressure though yeah, it was awesome. I mean, how do you know? How do you know what? I mean, are you hitting up editorial calendars? Yeah, yeah. Or? I had all the editors on my like call list, but they would call me and say, "Hey, Jen, it's Susie over right. at Marie Claire." Totally and relationship based. We're just wondering if you have any black like ankle pants that they have to be around $198 and available in October. And then I would like put them in a bag, send them over via messenger. They would photograph them. And then I would follow up in a week and say, did it make the cut? And then I would wait for the magazine to come out and I would rip all the pages out photocopy them and put packages together for all the VIPs in the company and be like, Hey, look what I did. You know? So it was really fun. And then I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then one day I was so bored. I went across the street to ESPN zone. I was sitting by myself and I sat next to this guy and he was looking at all these photos and I was like, Hey, that's Ty law. And he's like, how the fuck do you know Ty law? And I was like, Oh, I'm from new England. I'm from Boston. And obviously he plays for the Patriots. And we started talking about sports and he was like how the fuck do you know so much about baseball and I was like yeah I'm from Boston you know whatever my, you know told him the story and he, I was like what are you doing here he's like I'm an agent and Dan Patrick is my client and he's here doing his ESPN show at ESPN zone because he's on the road right. and he's like you have got to meet my friend his name's John Filippelli he's the president of the Yankee Network you have to meet him are you ready for this line women are up and coming in sports you should totally get your foot in the door 
So I went home, I called this John Filippelli guy and he called me back and I went in for an interview and he hired me on my interview and that's how it started. So it's like, you have to just like take advantage of every single person that's in front of you and that sort of comes your way, if that makes any sense. I've always taken advantage of that, always. Yeah, I mean, and what year was this? 2002. I mean, I remember, you know, I remember growing up and I remember sports being a a focal point, but not to the point that it is now. Oh, yeah. Where it's literally, I mean, and and I think a lot of that, and I'll just say it straightforward, a tremendous amount of that has to do with women in sports and the interest that women have taken in sports. Because it was always a man-driven, male-driven. Totally. Now there are a dozen women. You know, so then we start getting reporters like you and like Leslie Goodell and a yeah. lot of these people I that are out Leslie. there. These, you know, these Leslie. attractive women that guys are like, well, you know, and then women are saying, hey, hold on, look at this. But wasn't wasn't there also, I want to say that there, I remember there being uh, like a study or something talking about the camera angles huh. on, on, on the field. That they were focusing more, not focusing more, but that there was a lot more of ass shots and crotch shots and, you know, stuff like. I mean, I will say this. When I was in New York, Erin Andrews would come in to, I mean, this isn't even a knock on her. She's gorgeous. She would come into the locker room and she would be in one outfit. And then I'd turn the game on three hours later and she was in a button down shirt. Right. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's not what she just had on when she was talking to the guys, you know. So, I mean, use it to your advantage if you can, you know. But, I mean, now, I mean, these women are a dime a dozen. And, you know, I know for me, like, to be honest with you, like, when I came back to Boston, like, the sideline reporting job for the Yankees, for the Yankees, listen to me, I'm such a New Yorker, I swear, um, for the Red Sox was available. Mm -hmm. I had the most experience. I had covered every team in the American League East in the division. I had already won an Emmy. I had literally been covering the Red Sox for eight years, longer. And I'm from Boston, and I was the first one eliminated. Like, wow. it was like, what the fuck? I remember I was on the interview, and the guy was like, do you know who your audience is? And I was like, I'm your audience. I've been watching you for 35 years. Right. Like, come on. And I didn't get it. You know, a younger, prettier girl got it. So, you know, I don't, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason. You know, I talk to women all the time who are younger and, um, you know, we're like, I'm so frustrated. This girl got the job. This girl got the job. She had more Instagram followers than me. I'm like, you know what? You just, you can't figure it out and you can't let it bring you down. You know, now that I, you know, I finally just said, listen, I need to take control of my own life and I'm not going to let any of these executives tell me like, you're too old, you're too this, you know too much, you have too many sources. I mean, I was breaking stories more than any other female in baseball and I didn't get a huge job. I didn't get a big national job, you know, but I didn't really want one. I, I don't know. Anyway, so that's, that's kind of, I, I'm happy that I'm out. You know, I, I do miss a lot of the players and I do miss going into the locker rooms and shit, but I mean, I have my relationships. I have my friendships. I have my autograph shirts from my best friends who will always be my friends. And, you know, I just didn't need to be doing it anymore. And, and you know what the, there's so many piece of shit, fat douchebag male reporters who will like say, well, she was at his locker a little too long. I wonder what's going on there. I'll tell you what's going on there. They like me more than you, motherfucker. Like, that's all it is. Then we're not editing. Yep. 
<laughs> it's one of the things oh, I love about you, Jen. Well, no, I mean, and, and look, your notebook away. Maybe they'll tell you something. Doesn't right, exactly. Well, I mean, and that's what I'm saying is that there was this huge swing that happened. You know, I mean, it was like a four year, three year, four year period where the whole swing changed. That you're exactly right. That yeah. fat, well, you know, that fat 45 year old dude who was originally talking to, you know, whoever it is about, you know, what happened during the game or any of that. And now this younger, more attractive and, and in reality, more intelligent Sometimes, sometimes, I mean, listen, I I preferred radio because I didn't want to wear the makeup. I probably, I mean, I didn't want to have to worry about what I looked like. I mean, I would rather give an opinion. You know, I loved doing radio. I mean, as you can tell, like I'm not because I'm doing well right now. That's not what I meant. I'm just saying I love being opinionated. And when you have 15 seconds on television to give a sports news you know, you're not really. You're, you're abbreviated. Really, yeah, you know, you're just telling facts. Like I'm not really a. I'd be so bored if I had to give facts. I'd be like, and this is what I think, and they'd be like, no, nope, Jen, that's not your job. We don't want to know. <laughs> give us, just give us the facts. Just give us the facts. Right. So I don't know. I'm glad. So, I'm glad it's over. It was an awesome phase of my life, but I'm and it, baseball is so different now. It's not even fun. You know, it's it's pretty boring, and I. Why? It's it's yeah. Why is it? Why is it not fun? It's not fun because there's just there's not really any big superstars anymore. There's no drama. It's like even Red Sox Yankees, which is the best rivalry in sports history. I mean, two years ago, I was like, somebody needs to fucking fight. We need someone to like rush the mound. Somebody has to punch somebody in the face for there to be some sort of like excitement. Yeah, I agree. I think that, and I think that that's throughout throughout all of sports. I mean, you know, look, I'm from Philly. We've got our Dallas thing. Well, Dallas doesn't give two shits about us, right? They never have, and not only that, nobody gives two shits about Dallas in the first place. After all these years, you know, I mean, they're like, who did I watch play the the other day? I was watching the Dolphins play, and I'm like, is this? I'm either watching Ace Ventura or it's 1986. Right. It's like when Buffalo Bill fans get all worked up because they're playing the Patriots. I'm like, you know that you are the Buffalo. Bills, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's the same as, I, I mean, for us, you know, I mean, every time the Eagles play, the first thing everybody says is what? They're the worst fans in the NFL that, you know, remember when they threw a snowball at Santa? Yeah, it was 50 fucking four years ago. So what? Like, come on, give me a break. Like, that's, that's the funny. conversation. I'd probably throw a snowball at Santa and I'm not even a Phillies fan. Well, I remember when, I guess when we had won... I guess when we were in the Super Bowl, there was a huge to-do. You know, they were greasing the poles and they were doing everything. And there was the next day, there was a shot of four teenagers or whatever it was that had picked a car up and had flipped the car over. And two of the people that were in the shot were wearing Patriots jerseys. Oh, God. Well, that- like, it was so funny because they were and it was on ESPN or whatever it was. So there was this constant barrage of Philly sucks. They're horrible. They're animals. The whole nine yards. And that was a public shot that had gone out. But one of the funny things is there was a there was I guess there was one thing. One of the kids in the picture was a cop's son like he was the chief of police for a local department and the kids sang like a fucking bird like he walked in with a list of names he's like this is everybody who's in that picture you know there was a huge to do about that about how this kid all of a sudden became like a pussy because of the fact that he just sang like a bird you know 
Well, it's like when like one person makes a racist comment in Boston and it's like some 14 year old loser. And it's like, oh, you are Boston's racist. It's like, why? Because one idiot doesn't have good parents. Like, really? So what where, where's the how does the transition then come? I mean, and one of the things that I like about you is you, you just go after what you want. And I guess we've known each other for about a year now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we've been through some some pretty cool shit and we've had a lot of fun and we'll, we'll get into all of that. But even prior to you doing the show, we talked. I mean, I remember my first conversation with you and I and I, I loved talking to you then, you know. So, so, and one of the things that I've learned about you is that you're, you, you have, you have no filter and in reality, you just like, you like a story and you like to talk and you like to tell things. So, so where, where did the, the, the transition happen from, okay, I'm done with this chapter. Now I'm going to make the move into chef. Like, where was that? Well, it's funny. Cause like even growing up, I had always cooked at home and my mother would be like, you're making a mess. What are you doing? No one's going to eat this. And I was like, I'm just playing. I'm just trying it. You know, when I would watch Julia Child, like when I was younger, like I would come home from school and run down the street and just like sit in front of my television and watch Julia Child. It was Julia Child or the monkeys. Those are like my two shows. So um, when I was, on WEEI here in Boston, um, my friend was like, hey, this TV show is coming to Boston to audition. You should try out for it. And I was like, what is it? They like, it's called The Taste. It's with Anthony Bourdain. It's on ABC Thursday nights. It's a really fun show. Everything has to fit on a spoon. You should do it. And I was like, they're not going to pick me. I'm like, they're just, they're not going to pick me, but you know, whatever, I'll do it. So I went down there. I waited in line, you know, just like everybody else. I had no special treatment. Why would I? I I, I was in a room with, I want to say like maybe they brought in 25 people at a time. And so they just went up and down. They asked you like a couple of questions about yourself. They tasted your food. And I made these like chicken pot pie cupcakes that you stick in a, I make them in a, um, in a cupcake tin. And so it's like a cup, it looks like a cupcake. And I hate when people eat them with a fork. You just eat them like a cupcake, you know? And so the guy put it in his mouth and I went to cut it with a fork and I slapped his hand and I was like, no fork, no fork. And so I remember that moment. And then maybe like 10 minutes later, the woman came out with like two pieces of paper and she's like, here's who's moving forward. And I was like, Oh fuck, that's my handwriting. And I went to the next round, which was, I think that was, um, an interview in a hotel room with like three different cameras with people in Los Angeles watching. And then after that, they said, you have to go home and make us a home video about your life. So I did that. And then they called me and said, you moved on to the next round. Then I had to do a Skype with production and they were like, okay, you're moving on to the next round. Then they sent me the paperwork. And then I was like, what is this? And they were like, this is just in case you get chosen. I was like, just in case I get chosen, what is happening? Um, and then finally I was like, listen, I have a job here. Like the Bruins are in the playoffs. Like I work for a newspaper here. Like I'm a sports reporter. Like what is happening? And they're like, okay, between you and I, you're in a very small pool and we highly recommend you just clear your September and your October. 
October. And I was like, oh, okay. So then they called me and they said, you were chosen to be on episode one. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And they said, well, it's kind of like the voice for cooking. Send me to Los Angeles for three days to not get chosen. And they're like, well, this is how it is. Like, this is, this is episode one. Do you want to do it? And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to do it. So like I went to LA and I did it. And like episode one, I am just like cursing up a storm. I'm like, fuck, fuck. Oh, what? No. Um, and so, um, I, oh, hang on. I'm sorry. Hit pause. Sorry. That's Uncle Chris. It's Uncle Chris. Go ahead. Hit pause. So sorry. this is, Jen has three sorry. American bulldogs. English. 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 Um, oh, sorry. Three English bulldogs. So. Um, I went on oh, and everybody was rolling their eyes at me like, oh God, look at this fluff piece coming in. Like she's gone. So she's not going to make it past episode one. Well, anyway, two people picked me, Ludo and Nigella. And so thank God. And so I picked Ludo's team and I lost in the finale. So I went to the end, which was amazing. But, um, and I mean, I was the star of the show because I was a disaster. I was a total disaster. And I didn't even mean to be. I just literally didn't know what I was doing. I had never worked in a professional kitchen. I mean, not that the kitchen was professional, but I just really, I could not get my shit together. Like, it was crazy. And then I lost. In the, in the finale on a chicken sandwich with Ludo, which is so funny because he has Ludo bird with his like famous chicken sandwiches. And then I came home and the Herald, the Boston Herald was like, how did it go? And I was like, holy shit. I went to the end. I can't really tell anybody, but, and then when it aired, um, he was, you know, the newspaper was like, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I just feel like I'm done. I just don't really want to be a sports reporter anymore. I think I'm going to try to go to school. Um, and um, I went to culinary school. I fucking hated that. <laughs> why, uh, did you, why did you hate culinary school? Because well, I got there day one and they were teaching us how to scrambled eggs. And not that I learned a lot on the taste, but like episode one, Ludo taught us how to make French omelets. So I was like, here I am with a Michelin star, like yeah, chef. But you have to start at the bottom. You've I know. You've got to learn the basics. You can't, it lasted you, forever. Week three, I was making soufflés. Like, who the fuck's making a souffle ever? Nobody. Yeah, but, you have, like, but it's the learning of the technique. I it's the, it's the technique it. that you leads you to the I next level. I ended up doing okay, didn't I? So... Anyway, so Mario Batali came to Boston. He was opening up a restaurant and they, I had reached out to them and I had contacted a bunch of other chefs and they were like, leave school. You don't need it. Go learn in a restaurant. And I was like, okay. So I did. I left school. I got hired to work for Mario at Babo in the seaport. And I paid attention. Like, you know, I did. Like, I did what I did in New York. Like, made the best of the opportunity. I went over to the guy filleting the fish. How are you doing this? What are you doing? Tell me everything. You know, I asked, you know, if I could come in on a day that I'm not working and go from, like, station to station and just, like, learn something. And so I did that. Like, I I tried to learn and I tried to pay attention. And then somebody off asked me to do a private dinner for them. And I made like X amount of dollars. And I was like, wow, I just made a month's salary in one day. Why am I still at this restaurant? 
And so I said, let me test the waters. Let me put together some menus. Let me build a website. Let me get a federal tax ID. Let me do all this crazy stuff. Let me go buy some platters and all new pots and pans. And I ended up literally making a million dollars in four years, basically. Right. And that's kind of what happens. Well, that is what happened, not kind of. <laughs> so I just started taking every job possible. I mean, at that point, I would like sell a cupcake in Providence for 50 cents if I could. So like looking back at some of the jobs I took, they were ridiculous. And ob- then I became more picky towards the end. But then I started picking up corporate clients, like huge corporations in Boston, where I would make like, you know, 10,000, 15,000, like on one job. And then I would like invest it back in and buy this and buy this and buy decor. And then I would do big weddings and it just kind of took off. And then I uh, of course got sick of that. Um, and then I opened the restaurant and it's kind of, that's it. Right. Do you like my stories? I do. I, I do like your stories, but I, I'll, I'll tell you it, it, the thing that kind of, that as a chef, that kind of stops me is that you like fast tracked yeah you missed yeah I, I honestly because so and I love you and you know that I mean you and I are friends outside of outside of these conversations to me I feel like you missed something like right. because when you fast track it's like it's like fast tracking you know it'd be like fast tracking a doctorate you know like it's to me the whole thing of what I learned and the thing and I hated culinary school because I thought it was a waste of time as well but yeah. the thing for me with culinary school was I utilize something on a daily basis that I learned in school and the technique that I learned is so paramount to me for what I believe in because I believe in technique I believe in the in the art of that preparation that that it creates that final experience that, that constantly creates that so I'm just, I mean, and for me, like, you know, cause you're saying, well, I didn't need to learn how to do that. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I say I didn't but you missed so it. much of the fun shit after. It wasn't fun and it was expensive and it wasn't for oh, me. Totally. The time. Everybody has experience. their own journey. And for me at I'm the time. Exactly but, you. No, I know you're not. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I know you're not. I'm just saying you're like just for me, it. I was like at this moment in time, yeah. like I don't have $5,000 a month to be giving to school when I can go learn down the street and start making money. And I can learn, like, you know, the, I didn't, even the people in the classroom, like this girl next to me, like her husband gave her $60,000 to go through the, pro- the program because he was like, you know, you need something to do. You know, right. it was just like, I just didn't feel like it just, it, I just felt it. I was like, this is not for me. And when, when was school? When was culinary school? 2014. Yeah. So, so, and you were like, I mean, I graduated culinary school in 94. I mean, I'm old, but, but there was a period of time where we started to see, you know, in the industry, the next thing I know, it's just an influx of culinary school because the schools were all like, okay, cool. Now's our shot. Yeah. Food networks out. Let's get as much money as possible. I mean, my graduating class from culinary school was 12. You know, I think we started out with 24 or 36 and it was like the dropout rate was crazy. And I remember I had six women in my class that were, were, you know, stay at home moms. 
that were wives that were just looking for something yeah, to do. Right. Exactly. They're not in the industry anymore. You know what I mean? They're, they're sending their kids off to college now. Yeah. There's like two but, people in my school that I class that I reached out to. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. I'm back in my office. I'm like, Oh, there's four. We have, I, I think like, we have all said and done four of the entire graduating class that are actually still in the industry. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I didn't love it. And then, but I did my due diligence. Like I talked to so many people, like I called the owners of Davio's and I called a bunch of pretty well-known chefs and I was like, tell me what to do. And they were like, get the fuck out of there. They were like, what do you do? Get out. Like people learn yeah, in a, restaurants now. Look, and I'm like, going to okay. tell you, but I'm going to tell you and, and what you're giving and I'll be dead on what you're giving is bad advice. It, because you it need, people me. need, I don't care. no, no, I know that. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that, you know, I mean, this is, I talk to a tremendous amount of chefs. We have a lot of young chefs that listen. There are some people that that will work for. Some oh, of you that's why, that's why I said everybody has and to- a lot of you, you need, I'm not going to lie because what we're getting now is we're getting a tremendous amount of fucking hacks that are walking out of school, quitting early because they have gotten the money. They're ready to open a restaurant. We have a lot of hacks. What well, we call good. shoemakers that are leaving the the school because they think that they can. And I'm not. I'm not. This is not towards you, Jen. What I'm doing is I'm I'm trying to keep kids in school because you're going to learn technique. You're going to learn what it is. You know, I, I, like my alma mater right now. I'm furious with my alma mater because they got rid of the apprenticeship program, which is one of the most important processes well, of going to school. I'm leaving a part out. Reality. Here's the other thing I did. I also, when I left school, I signed up for a bunch of classes that I felt were really necessary. Like I took like a night school class. I took a butchering class. I took like, I did a week class, you know, based solely on um, like ethnic food. Like, I still took classes on the side, like just to like learn more things. Right. But, and I also lay in bed and I watch, I'm not saying like, Hey, look at, you know, YouTube's the new culinary school. If I'm bored, I just <laughs> read, I read, I watch sure. videos and then I try it. I like implement it the next day. And if it doesn't work, I try it again. Like I'm such a, I'm, I'm my own student, you know, so I'm never, every single time I'm laying around and I'm bored, I'm like, well, let me try to make pad thai. Let me try this. And what if I did this? And what if I did this? And let me just go to Whole Foods and buy a whole bunch of stuff and try them and see if I can make this. Like I'm always doing stuff. Always. I never stop. So I wasn't looking for like, a, a you know a shortcut I just it wasn't for me at the time and I really wanted to work with Babo I really wanted to start working in a restaurant and I really needed to make money I couldn't pay for school anymore so I was just like fuck this um so that's my journey I'm not saying and I've said it I said it earlier it's not for everyone you know but that that was what I decided to do right and uh, and and you're very successful with what you're doing but what I'm saying is that that I believe in school. I believe that school hones the skills that lead to, you know, there's a lot of people that have the natural talent and the raw talent and all that stuff. And look, I hated school. I couldn't wait to get out of school because when I was in school, my instructors actually hated me because of the fact that I was asking questions. I was saying, well, hold on for a second. You're telling me that I have to do a senior project that is a third of my grade 
and you're not you're not you're not explaining it properly. You know, I mean, I remember when I first taught my when I taught concept development one hundred at my alma mater, which is Walnut Hill College in Philadelphia. And I remember walking down the hallway and the, the new director of education saw me walking down the hallway and he looked at me and he said, I heard you were going to be teaching a class. And he looks at me and he said, I hope you have three of you. Uh-huh. I hope that there's three uh-huh. of you in that class. Come in full circle. Yeah, totally. And, and, and I mean, oddly enough, you know, now they're still asking me back to do stuff and talk about things and go in and do it. But it's just so funny because I was the pain in the ass. I was the kid that was like, I'm paying for culinary school. I want every single, yeah. I want, I want you to think about me when you get home because you need to educate me better tomorrow. Right. You know, and that's the way that I was. I asked a lot of fucking questions. You know, I was also, I mean, you know, I mean, that's just the way that I was. I was also in class with people saying, you know, I, I was dating a girl, quote unquote, dating a girl. And, you know, I mean, and I was like, well, what the fuck is, you know, we're not going to be in a relationship after all of this. <laughs> you know, like we're going to be competition. We are all going for the same jobs. They you know, why are we friends? And when I was in culinary school, they were trying to start a fucking softball team. And I'm like, you guys go play softball. And that's why I do what I do. Because yeah. you guys are probably still playing softball. You know, and a lot of them are. I mean, that was just the industry at that point. But so, so you get to a point that, you know, your catering business is exploding. You've got yeah. a very, very successful catering business. I mean, and then why make that fucking leap? I don't know. I'm so bad at myself. Are you though? Yeah. Why? Well, I mean, if I say it out loud, I'm going to sound like such a jerk. Like I just had like this, like cushiony life where I would work six jobs a month. Yeah. Like literally six, maybe eight. Made my own schedule. I went to Florida for two months out of the year. I left. I would leave mid-January and come back mid-March. But you worked hard to get to that point. It's not oh my like God. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's, I it's not like it just was handed to you and you had somebody oh, paying your bill. I was crying going right. to jobs. Literally tears dripping off my face. Tennis elbow in both arms. Like skinny, not eating, um, loading the car at five o'clock in the morning, unloading it as soon as I got home because I had another baby shower in the morning, food shopping like crazy, you know, just, just total pure insanity. But, you know, I was making $30,000 a month, you know, and so I could, take as much, I could say, you know what, I have enough. I'm going to take three weeks off. You know, I'm going to go away for a week. You know, I had, you know, I would do like a corporate event on a Tuesday and say, you know what, I I have nothing planned this weekend. It's okay. I made up for it. I'll take that corporate job on Thursday. You know, it just, I was giving people work. I had like a really great staff and, you know, a couple of single moms, which was great because I was being able to help them, which made me happy. And it it was just, it was a lot of work, but it was very, very gratifying. I mean, I would do somebody's baby shower or bridal shower. And then two years later, I would do their baby shower. You know, I had families that I cooked for, like, I just really loved it. And then, 
I, I don't know why, maybe I just had a bad day and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I said, I just think it's time to like expand my business. It wasn't going to be a restaurant. I was going to open up a dining room, like, like an event space where some people could come to me. So I didn't have to travel to everybody all the time. Right. And I would have my own big kitchen and I would say to people, oh, your daughter's getting married. That's great. If you don't want to have it in your house, we have a space, you right. know, wanted to do wedding tastings and I wanted it to be, I don't even know what I wanted it to be. I just wanted the space. So like I rented and renovated the space and didn't know what I was going to do with it. And then all of a sudden I started getting all of this Boston press that I was opening a restaurant. I was like, I'm not really. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do it. And then I got in touch with you guys. Somebody had sent me the link and I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll try this. Here we go. Let's do another show. Um, So that's just really kind of how it happened. But it was even today, like people will see me and say, oh, I would love to come to your restaurant but it's only private events right and I was like no that's what it was supposed to be so I still get that confusion so that's really kind of how it happened and then I just got to the point where I realized I, I, I said, I remember telling my mother, she was like, why are you doing this? You make so much money. You have the best life. You have the best schedule. Like, what are you doing? And I said, mom, I'm still going to do jobs on the side. I'm going to hire a chef and I'm going to go off and do other things. Well, that didn't work out. I just became easier for me to just do this myself. So I really couldn't take jobs on the side, but I mean, I have one tonight, which is funny, but I'm going to do it at three o'clock and then I'm going to go to the restaurant at five and work dinner service. So I'm still spreading myself thin, but I I do still take jobs on the side every now and then, but not as much as I used to. But it, so it turned out to be something that I actually didn't even want. (laughs) So what, what, uh, and what a lot of people don't know, because we haven't actually talked about it yet is, so the show, my new show that's on Food Network is called Opening Night, and Jen uh, opened a restaurant called Table by Jen Royal, which is in the north end of Boston, which is, uh, oddly enough, when I first heard the concept of it, I was like, okay, well, there's, you know, she's got to really, we, we need to, we need to subsidize that first part of it. You know, because it's hard to make money in that situation. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's hard to make money. You, and at that point, you did not have a liquor license. You do now. Yeah. After much fucking struggle. And, I tried for six months every yeah, day. I know. You told me. So everybody who made fun of me and like sent me shit on social media, literally I was already crying. So thanks for digging the dagger a little bit deeper. <laughs> so so when I first started talking to Jen and I remember getting off the phone and having a conversation with our producers because because what happened in the so that what happens during the processing kind of the vetting process is that we have an hour-long conversation prior to making the decision like casting goes out they put the feelers out they find restaurants then those restaurants are are in contact with me we have a phone conversation we talk for about an hour about the concept we have 40 questions basically that i go to that i ask like are you financing this or is somebody else what is your role going to be what is your experience in the background do you have a staff do you have a menu have you secure, you know procured this this and this so it's a pretty long process of the conversation. And then when I hang up the phone with that person that we've spoken to, I then hop on the phone with producers and we have a conversation. 
And I say, okay, this is where I feel that I can help this person. And there's conversations, I mean, out of the four episodes that we've already shot, I've had conversations with 50 people. Yeah. You know, so there were, and I've gotten off the phone and said, this is not something that they're going to benefit from. They just want to be on TV. You know, they don't, they're not going to benefit from the work that I want to put into this. And Jen, in some cases, like, you know, part of my deal is a three month consulting after the show or after the show or after we open, because there's a lot of people that have never opened a restaurant before that do not have a concept of liquor, labor, food costing, you know, and there's a lot that goes into that. So Jen didn't use a lot of the tools, but we did use, we did use quite a bit. You know, we, we did talk, we had conversations. Most of them were you yelling at me, telling me to go fuck myself, Pretty much, but because you hired the wrong person or because you had a piece of shit that was in the kitchen or, or something to that effect. And that's, it's it's the nature of the business. You don't know who you're hiring. You're basing your hire off of a gut feeling at that moment off of a, you know, a conversation that you had with somebody that they chose to use as a reference. You know, I mean, they're selling themselves to you. You don't have the luxury of getting that person in and working with them past the grace period of two weeks you know, to find out what they're really like. So, so you did, you made some mistakes. I've made mistakes in the past when it comes to hiring and stuff like that, but you're in a good place now. Yeah. I love making mis- my mistakes or I love all of my mistakes. Yeah. They're huge. I, I mean, that's what, oh that's what God, moves us in. So awesome. Thank God I made them. Yeah. Well, I mean, seriously, Learned from every single one. I mean, you had, you know, you had, a, you had a couple of people in there that just didn't work out. You even, you know, you said to one I guy, didn't need them. That was the thing. I didn't need them. Like, right. finally, I just said, Jen, stop trying to make this person you, when you are standing right in front of yourself, just fucking do it and stop taking jobs on the side. You don't need to take jobs on the side. It's over. Like I had to embrace my restaurant and say, this is, is now your yeah. new life that you've created. Let your old life go. Stop taking side jobs. Take them on days off. And I still had three weddings booked that I had to obviously follow through with. And I just closed the restaurant and took my staff, you know, like I started to make executive decisions, you know, and I've also gotten to a place which is crazy where my staff loves me so much respects me so much, but is also slightly afraid of me. Like I have literally found like that exact balance where it's like, we don't want to piss her off, but let's play a prank on her. You know, like we're just such an awesome, amazing little family. It's like, it's crazy. Like everything right now is so perfect, which is why I was so worried. Like, I don't even want the show to air. It's been so old. Everything's so good right now. Like we don't have any of that food. I don't have any of that staff. Like I was like, don't air my issues when everything is finally perfect. Like it's just but right it's, now it couldn't be better. And let me just say this. A lot of people are in the fact that I'm making a profit every month is, I mean, listen, I'm so inexperienced. I don't know this, but like people say, to me, you know, it takes like years to make a profit. I'm like, really? I pay myself like $15,000 a month. What are you talking about? Like, I've never had trouble making payroll. I have taken my staff to dinner. Yes, like, you have. I, you had what? trouble. 
he oh, did have trouble. I mean, yeah. now. Well, I mean, but, yeah, and hold on. So back up, back up for a sec. Because yeah. what you're doing right now is you're making it seem like opening a restaurant is easy, which oh, they've all seen. No. They've all seen that struggle. Because oh, you, no. you just bypassed, you just bypassed the tears. You just bypassed the phone calls. Were you telling me that you were going to shut the place down yeah, because I, you didn't have any money left? Right. But I also do okay. want to say that I opened in the dead of winter with no liquor license. But, but you, you just, you literally just bypassed all of that and, and, and opening in the middle it of the winter. It was short lived though. Without, I'm, I'm just being honest. It was short lived. Like but, but failure with, you know, successes come from the struggles. Oh, that's the totally. thing. Okay. So, so let's be realistic here. Don't, don't try to make it seem like it's the greatest thing in the world. Cause I was on the other end of the phone call. I and you were telling you, me I regret you were doing shutting. the whole thing yeah. you talking about. But I, I'm so inexperienced that my staff is used to have to say to me, Jen, like they would tell me, the owner, you're doing so well. No one makes a profit this early. It takes years. And I was like, no, I'm not. It sucks. Like I would cry every day and they would have to tell me, trust me, this is how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like this. I, I didn't know because I was so used to just like catering and making money. You know, I was like, yeah. I don't know. Now all of a sudden you check your bank account and it's like, oh, $2,000 taken out. What is this? Oh, those are reservations from Open Table. Oh, what's this? $1,700? Oh, those are your credit card fees. Oh, what's this? Oh, that's your unemployment tax. Oh, what's this? Oh, that's your trash pickup and your oil pickup. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like all this stuff that you don't even you just don't even anticipate coming out of your bank account. It's like, it's unbelievable. Sure. Really. It's, it's just the most expensive thing anybody could ever do. It's like hearing someone say, Hey, I think I'm just going to open a restaurant. Sure. I mean, I had $250,000 in the bank and it was gone in six months. Gone, 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 gone. Even It went to the plumbing yeah. and the electrical and your hood it's system. just gone. It's gone. I could have bought a house. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but you've always been somebody who wants to challenge yourself and you've always been somebody who wants to go, you know, the extra mile yeah, and, 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 and $250,000 challenge. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you're profitable now. So you've already replaced all that, but you've already replaced all that money. Yeah. I pretty much yeah. So you've paid, you've paid the business off. Now you're just, you're just getting profit. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. And then I, I mean, I still have bills, but I mean, it's just, um, it's just like you know, four here, three thousand here, two thousand here, three thousand there. Like I'm, yeah, I'm still profiting, but now I'm paying off my hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar liquor license. Right. So now I just have this other big expense. But you know what? I just said to my staff, listen, let's kick ass in December. Let's try to book as many holiday parties as possible. Let's get this fucking liquor license paid off, and let's forget about it. You know. Yeah. So I'm just the type of person who will say, how can I work harder to get this off my shoulders? So how are you, where are you now more menu wise? Because the biggest thing about, you know, about having the, 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 you know, really that table concept that, that, uh, family style world, it's all about the food. You were so focused on the liquor license, but, but the number one component is the food. Yeah. Blessing in disguise, to be honest with you, You it might've been a blessing in disguise to be honest with you, because I used to say to my staff, listen, 
what the fuck is going on up there? We don't even have alcohol. So you guys better get your act together because pretty soon you're going to be talking about wines and serving cocktails. And now's your time to figure out that dining room before we add that component, you know? So women, we've been voted best service. I mean, all of our five-star reviews mention my staff by name and like my front of house manager, Tim will say to the staff, listen, if you don't know something personal about your guests, you're doing something wrong. Ask them where they're from. Ask them what brings them here. Ask them how their summer was. You know, like, and people will sit down and before they even sit, they're reaching their arm out to like have a handshake. Hi, I'm Steve. Nice to meet you. Like, you know, and everyone is like sharing and talking and nobody's on their phones unless they're just taking pictures of the food and people leave and they're hugging and they're exchanging phone numbers. And it's, it's been actually remarkable. And when I'm having a bad day, Tim will come downstairs and say, go upstairs and take a look at what you've created. And this is why you come in every day for this. And it's, it's, I got it. I mean, I cried at least a half a dozen times over just my guests. I literally had tears dripping off my face because people had stood up and hugged me and said, thank you for this experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like nothing else. And it, and, and I, it could have gone the other way. It very easily could have gone the other way. And it's, I'm just, I'm so lucky that it didn't, but I think that we were really, I think the neighborhood, my instincts were right. Like the neighborhood really was, I hate to use the word longing, but they, they really were looking for something else because another Italian restaurant. Same shit. Look, look, I'm not going to, the North end can hate me. The North end can hate me. It's it's fine because another restaurant opened down the street and it was in the newspaper. And hold on, hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish what I'm saying here. It's I'm not impressed by that area. It's the same food in every single restaurant. I mean, there's a handful. Everybody's serving the same thing. You're all just just cannibalizing. Like I've never walked down. I mean, it's like Chinese. Look, and I'm saying this, Boston can hate me as much as they want. I I really don't give a shit at this point, because as I walk down the streets, I just saw the same food restaurant after restaurant. It's like walking through Chinatown. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, I mean, it's, you know, summer two stars, summer five, you just, you just have to know where to go. But it's the same shit. Over and over. Italy and New York. Nobody's other Chinatown. Have you, you've done radio before, right? Yeah, of course. So you understand that there's two parts to a conversation? Yeah, but one person speaking and then they talk over each other. I know, but but, any other neighborhood. Yes, but but you're but it's everybody. Hello. Don't hang up on me. Don't you dare. I'm just waiting for you to finish so that I can speak on my own show. I'm just saying it's no different than Little Italy in New York. They're all the same. What I'm saying to you, but when I go to New York. I'm getting a variety of different foods from each location. When I come to the bar, no, you don't. There's not, there's really not that much variety. When I was up there and I walked to the streets and I was super impressed. I've always wanted to go to the North End. It's something I've always wanted to do. And I ate in a bunch of different restaurants and we went to a, but it's everybody serving the same thing. Not necessarily. You just, you got 90% of the restaurants that are up there are all serving the same thing. And that was my big thing with you. Cause I was saying to you, I wanted you to do something different. Okay. Well, I, I wanted you to do something different. What's that? 
I do do something different. You do something different in a well, and I'm, look, this isn't I'm, this isn't a dig. I'm not trying to. I'm not. I'm just saying that the one thing that I wanted to see out of that area was that there were was a multitude of different items. Says it was like walking down. It was like walking down Art Street in Philadelphia and going from Chinese restaurant to Chinese restaurant and and seeing egg roll, egg foo young, chicken and cashew. It was like this same. Everybody served the same thing. So for you, the one thing that I wanted to see with you was for you to do something different, was for you to do a different style of food, not a different style because your basic where you start is Italian. And, and the stuff that you do is good. But the thing that I wanted to see was I wanted and, and my my take on what you were doing and the, the insight that I wanted to offer to you was to step outside of the box of the, of that, the of I the have. north end box. I totally have. I mean, first of all, the fact that we have a bread course everyone is like, this is like nothing else. I mean, everybody, you, I, I went to dinner yesterday. Somebody threw a loaf of bread in front of my face with four sure. butter packets. Yeah, absolutely. And we have the freshest bread. We have three homemade spreads. We have shishito peppers. Like I've never seen that all for like, I mean, I hate to say for free, you know, but it's like, like the first course, it's like I've created something where people can like munch and get a cocktail while they wait. You know, right. I'm rolling out that ricotta gnocchi, like literally 20 minutes before, before service. I haven't seen short rib bolognese with the gnocchi, like in the neighborhood. People say it's like the best thing they've ever put in their mouth. Um, we rotate the seafood dish. We're on our fourth seafood. The mussels right now, it's just nice for the summer. It's working. We'll probably go back to like shrimp or maybe even do the octopus for the winter. But right now, everybody loves the mussels. We're just trying to get through this menu. But what I'm saying is that the area that you're in is everybody's doing the same thing. That's not the one. But I'm not. And I'm I don't care. I'm don't telling care you. About I walked down the street and I looked at the menus. Well, and everybody has. Why are you talking about everybody else? Who cares? I don't worry about everybody because, else. Because you're because what you're doing is you're, you're not actually you're not hearing what I'm saying. You're I in defensive mode. Hold saying. on. You're basically you telling you me that I'm a basic bitch. What I'm telling you is that I wanted to see something different. And when I first walked into your space, you were a basic bitch. You served the same shit that everybody else served. And that's what you did. And the one thing that I wanted out of you more than anything else, because of your personality, because I, I, of the fact that you're a female who has actual balls hanging in between your legs, I wanted to see something different. But you went safe right off the bat. And that's what I was trying to prove or say to you was that I wanted you to step outside of the North End box. I wasn't attacking you. I was saying that when I walked down the streets of the North End of Boston, I saw the same basic shit in most of the restaurants. Well, what does that have to do with me? My menu right now is because, because you because you because you didn't actually listen to what I was saying. You automatically went defensive. What I was saying to you is that when you first submitted your menu to me, your menu was basic bitch. That's exactly what it was. You were safe. Hold on. Nope, nope, nope. My show, my show. Now I talk. I know you do, but you love me. But what I'm saying to you is that now you're in a different space, Jen. Your first menu that you sent to me was basic bitch. It was safe. It was comfortable. And it was basic bitch. Now you're doing something different. That's what I'm trying to say to you because I was trying to explain to the listener where we were when we first started. Oh. 
And you didn't hear that. What you heard was me attacking, saying that you were doing the same shit as everybody else was. And now you're not. Yeah. So that was actually a compliment that took me 20. Stop talking. That took me 20 minutes to get to because you were arguing the fact that I was trying to fucking compliment you. Well, I just want to say that I found a happy medium. Like, I'm not basic, but I'm not super out of the box. But I, like, for instance, for like our vegetable. who was listening in the beginning would know that that's where I was leading. To. Okay, well, our vegetable is like. like What's we your vegetable? Harry Colbert's, we call them. Oh. But that's what you call them or that's what the rest of the world calls Oh, no, I like to call them Harry. Oh, H-A-I-R-Y. Yeah, Harry. I, um, I love an air You know what? After I blanch them, I they're covered in like fried prosciutto. You know what I mean? It's like like I'm finding like little ways to like, yeah, and I love when I go shit. upstairs and people are like, oh my God, my favorite was the green beans. I'm like, what? Because I saute them in that prosciutto oil that came off when I, you know, when I, when I cooked it off. So like, I'm finding like ways and that's something that Ludo taught me, like to incorporate flavor through base of what you have. Exactly. So, um, I don't know. And like our lemon chicken is like, it's in a burr blanc and it's like, just, Oh, it coats the back of the spoon and it's like lemony and thick and buttery. And people are just like, Oh my God, that chicken. And I said, you know what? I said, I'd never have chicken on my menu, but right now I cannot get rid of this. Everybody loves it. You know? So like right now it just works. And here's the other thing I've done. If something doesn't work, it's gone in a week. Like it's gone. Like you have to say, you know what? This isn't working. Get rid of it. You know, like if I notice I don't have a lot of reservations for like brunch, I will hurry up and quick and make a video and post it. So like you have to stay on top of like all your shit. Oh, it's never. And especially with you, because you have a rotation of product. And that's something that, you know, I mean, it's not like you're still serving the same shit that you were serving in December. I mean, you've rotated your menu pretty far through. And that, Jen, if you stop for five seconds and listen to me, is what I was trying to say, is that you were very cautious in the beginning. And I wanted to pull you out of that space so that you opened with the bang. That's why I said nine courses. Like exactly. nine courses is something that was, and, and you, you know, that bread being that first course, in reality, you only had eight after that. You know, yeah. like, and that's what I was trying to say is, is to find that, that you already have the confidence in what you're doing and you were second guessing yourself and you kept, and you even said it on air, you kept falling back into the comfort because everybody kept saying to you, well, this is what I want. This is what we want. But what people want is they want to trust you and they want to see you be creative and they want to see you be confident. Yeah, but when you don't trust yourself, I mean, you can't right. have other people trust you. Well, and you've never had a restaurant before. You don't really know. You know, you didn't know. And what you're doing now is you're solidifying your place in that market. Because there were a lot of people that wanted to see you fail. That was just they the still basic. do. Like it must really piss people sure. off when I'm doing so well. Well, I mean, and you you were pretty straightforward. Me, I mean, you were folding boxes on the street one day. Somebody called the cops, and yeah. I saw it first fucking hand. And you know, I did when yeah. you and I were sitting. Do you remember that night at 10:20 yeah. p.m. when L and I came up and they said we heard you guys were selling booze? Yeah. At 10:20 on a Friday night, uh-huh. just so everybody knows. Like the North End is a super tight community. And in reality, the North End is a super tight community of men. So here comes Jen, this beautiful, brazen, confident woman who's like, fuck it, I'm opening a restaurant in the North End. 
And yeah. people what, what literally wanted to see her fail. They called the police on her because she was folding and breaking down boxes oh, on the street one day when you were unloading chairs. We yeah. were sitting in the restaurant filming. We had wrapped for the day, but there was a water bottle that was on the table. Somebody called L&I, License and Inspections. And said they're selling booze over it or they have booze in the restaurant. And they were very straightforward to you that you can't have that stuff. And Jen was like, look, this is my fucking day. This is what happens on a daily basis. People wanted to see her fail. So to me, I'm super stoked that you're succeeding, not just for yourself, but to prove every other person. Yeah, they called the cops on me the other day. Somebody came by and said, we heard you're putting your trash out on a Wednesday night. And I was like, yeah, so. And he was like, well, we got a call. And there's a note that says, we just want her to play by the rules. Yeah. Like everybody else in the neighborhood. Have her call a service on Wednesday and stop using the city trash. And I said, who called? He's like a neighboring restaurant. And the note says, we just want her to play by the rules. I said, why don't they mind their fucking business? Well, and that, you know, I mean, and that just drives you further. Because you are, you, you, you're, I mean, look, you're an aggressive person. You've said it right off the bat. You wanted something, you went after it. You wanted to try something, you went after it. That's been your whole career for not just food, but in sports and in the fashion part. And I know you were just in billing, but, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I mean, and that's one of the reasons why I, I liked you so much and why I really wanted to do that portion with you, because I wanted to try to give you as much as I could of the knowledge that I have to be able to share that with you so that you could, you know, cause you, you were going to do no matter what you wanted, you, know, you were going to do what you wanted, no matter what. But, yeah. but my goal for the show with, with you was I wanted to be there as a, as a voice of reason. And I was, and, and I felt that, that, you know, cause you'd say, well, fuck it. I'm doing it this way. And I'd say, okay, well, let's think about it a little bit. And you tell me to go fuck myself and that you hated me. And at the end you, you would say to me like, you know, actually I thought about it. It's a good idea. <laughs> You know, with some of that stuff, it's just like you just did. Literally, the entire per, the entire audience just watched what happened. I was actually trying to compliment you, and you were you telling me to go fuck myself. You know, so it's like all I wanted to do was just to see you succeed and to watch where you are right now makes me very happy. And that's not because of what I've done; that's because of what you've done. Well, I appreciate that so much. You know, and that in itself is, is a really cool thing. Like, um, I like seeing what you do. I like seeing the food that you're posting. I like seeing you as proud as you are of the product that you're putting out. I like, and in reality, you know, you told me to go fuck myself when it came to pork. You were like, I don't even, you know, nobody goes to the North end to order pork. If I heard that tweet one more time of people saying that, then, <laughs> and, and I mean, and cause everybody was like, nobody goes to the North end for ordering pork, but look at what's happening. And the cool part about that is you were able to take a dish because you understood the integrity of the dish, which was lower cost item, high profitability, exactly. and, and not only that, but super versatile with what you were doing. And you did, you know, you ended up doing that pie You ended up doing it with the arugula on top of it. And I really liked it. It was great. Even my buddy, who's a chef, you know, you know, Kev, who yeah. comes into the, who came into the restaurant that night as well. There was a growth period, and I love to see that. So, so that's where I am. So, at most of this show was me trying to compliment you, and most of your part of the show was you yelling at me while I was trying to compliment you. 
I'm sorry. What, it's okay, Jen. I love you no matter what. I know. That's just what I do. I yell. But I'm super stoked that you've gotten to the point where you are. I'm really happy to hear that you're being profitable. And as your friend, I'd like to see you succeed. And that makes me happy in, in its own. I want you to succeed. And, and, and on a professional level, I want you to buck the system. That's yeah. it. I want you to because that is what keeps you fresh and keeps you going. Oh, you're yeah. fresh. Oh, you're fresh. You're fresh. So with that being said, um, we're going to end this because oh. if we've been doing the, I know I want to talk all day, but somebody was late for the show this morning. So we had to cut a half hour early. Oh, well, this, you should try to be on time next time. You're you're absolutely right. Said the picture of, of you on a bridge at, at 10.05. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'll tweet that later just so everybody knows who really won because we're competitive like that. But, uh, Jen, do me a favor yes. and tell everybody who you are, how they can get in contact with you and all that good stuff. Um, I am Jen Royal, J-E-N-R-O-Y-L-E. You can find me on Twitter, J-E-N underscore R-O-Y-L-E um, or on Instagram, which is just my name, J-E-N-R-O-Y-L-E. And I own Table in the North End. There you go. And Jen, you're a rock star. Awesome. Thank and, you. Uh, and I appreciate you. And I'm glad that we I have appreciate this you. to meet and to do the show and to do this show and all the other stuff. And um, so, Jen, thanks so much for hopping on. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you this week. Okay. I love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, so everybody, there you go. I mean, that, that's Jen Royal. That, that literally is the personality of Jen, the attitude of Jen, that Boston, that New York and that Boston or that Boston, New York and Baltimore that are literally rolled into, you know, a five foot three human being, um, the attitudes, the, the struggles, every part of it was right there. And, um, you know, I, I'm really glad that Jen was the first episode that we got to air because, it was, you know, I mean, she was, she was the, the owner who had never owned a restaurant before, you know, and that's the stuff that I look for because I want to be able to kind of help people along in that situation so that they get what it is. And the, the cool part about the show for me is the way that it was put together was really to show that struggle. I mean, there's a lot of struggle that happens there. You know, there's a lot of decision-making from somebody who has been in the industry for a long time and somebody who hasn't, you know, and there's a lot of kind of science behind it as to the reason we do things. And I really like to see where Jen is at this point. So everybody do me a favor, make sure you follow Jen. It's J E N R O Y L E on Instagram and J E N underscore R O Y L E on Twitter. Um, Jen is outspoken and brazen and it's pretty awesome to see really aggressive on Twitter. It's a lot of fun to watch. She has her loves and she has her hates and you can see it happen pretty quick. But if you're up in the North end, make the reservation now, go in and check it out because Jen does good food, man. She really does. And one of the coolest things that I heard her say during the episode and, and, and it really, it wasn't even on air originally, it was off air and that what she was doing is creating a social experiment in dining which I think is really cool. There's so many experience-based places that are out there right now. And Jen has the opportunity to make a change in that. And I'm really glad to see that she has. So that's how I feel about that. And that's our show for this week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thanks so much for Jen Royal for coming on the show. Table by Jen Royal up in Boston. Boys and girls, do me a favor. Have a great week. Thanks for hanging out. Adios. Didn't get duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. 
Look for the blue verified check mark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey gang, Jerry P. Tuck here, co-host of A Place for My Head. Each week, Brandon Thompson and I are going to be talking about the importance of mental health. We're going to be talking everything from stress, anxiety, different mental illnesses, different chronic illnesses, and frankly, the rigors of everyday life and how we all struggle to get through it. We're not medical professionals, but we are looking to start that conversation that needs to be had about the stigma around mental illness and how it affects us every single day. We'll talk to experts, but at the end of the day, A Place for My Head is all about real people with real stories about real life. Check out A Place for My Head with Brandon Thompson and myself, Jerry P. Tuck, each week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.